Welcome to The Lawyerist Podcast, a series of discussions with entrepreneurs and innovators about building a successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. Lawyerist supports attorneys building client-centered and future-oriented law firms through community, content, and coaching, both online and through The Lawyerist Lab. And now, here are the co-authors of The Small Firm Roadmap and your podcast hosts. Hi, I'm Aaron Street. And I'm Stephanie Everett. And this is episode 357 of the Lawyers Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, I'm talking with Dan Gingas about why experiences matter to your clients and easy ways to wow them. Today's podcast is brought to you by Latera, Text Expander, and Rankings.io. We wouldn't be able to do this show without their support, so stay tuned and we will tell you more about them later on. So, Aaron, it's December, it's the end of the year, and this is a easy time for business owners to think about the year that they've had and probably more importantly, what they want the next year to look like for their business. Indeed. Yep. It's time time to start doing some 2022 planning. I know. I love a fresh start because the new year does make me think like it's a good time to do that restart and think more strategically and intentionally about your business. And it occurred to me that for some people, they feel a little lost in that process. They know they should be doing it, but they don't know exactly what it looks like in a real tangible way. Yeah. And I think we've talked a number of times in the past about lawyerists' approach to things like quarterly and annual planning retreats. And we don't need to get into kind of the nitty gritty details of those things right now. I think the point is every law firm should have some sort of deliberate planning cadence and inputs and process they're using to plan out the year, to get a jump start on what needs to start happening next. And that's where we're here to help. Yeah, we're really excited. We've talked a lot about Lawyerist Lab and our lawyer coaching program, but maybe some people still aren't quite sure what it is or how it works. And so it is a paid program with a community of law firm owners, mostly in the U.S. and Canada, who come together and work with us, or maybe a better way of saying is we work with them to make sure that they always know these three things. They have goals for their business. They have a plan for how they're going to get there. And more importantly, they know how to get help if they get lost or stuck or not sure along the way. That's what we do for people day in and day out. And we guide them step-by-step through that process, starting with exactly what you were saying, that annual and more importantly, quarterly strategic planning. In fact, on December 30th, we're going to have our first annual strategic planning intensive for everyone who's in our lab community, where we will actually facilitate that process for them so that by the end of the day, they will know exactly what they need to do for the first quarter of next year. Yeah, we just got back from our Lawyerist Lab Con event in Atlanta at the end of November. And it's kind of the flagship event that brings together all the members of the Lawyerist Lab. And that's where we announced the kickoff of these facilitated quarterly strategy intensives with the idea that everyone in lab will have their quarterly planning retreats baked into the program that also includes content and coaching and community 
all to make sure you have all the resources you need and support you need to get going on these things. Yeah. I mean, so many people I know, like if you're listening to this podcast or you read business books, you understand that there's things you need to be doing differently or intentionally for your business, but it's really hard to do that sometimes on your own or in a vacuum. We talk about like trying to read the label on the bottle when you're inside of it. And so that's where we come in. We have a really mapped out program, right? I mean, we call our book the roadmap for a reason because we understand what you need to do every step along the way to grow, improve, scale, create a healthier business. And part of that is business coaching. And I know a lot of lawyers have never worked with a coach before, and it may sound really intimidating or what is that? What does it look like? And it is so powerful because we are in a position to guide lawyers and help them understand what it is they need to do next and how they create those plans and implement to make it happen. Yep. And to get roadblocks out of the way, whether those are psychological barriers of feeling overwhelmed or feeling stuck, whether those are tactical strategic barriers of needing to unlock some new tools and processes. We've got all those things in the program. Yes. It makes my heart so happy. I was in a coaching session this past week during the event and somebody came into the call or came into the conversation thinking that they needed help scoping out a new product. Really what they needed help in was learning how to talk about the money that they were going to be asking for, right? Like what came up for them was fear around talking about money. That's where coaching can be so valuable, where we got through that roadblock and talked and helped break open like a new way of talking about it and getting him really confident about the value that he was providing to his clients. And that's just like one of hundreds of examples that I can give. So I just really encourage everyone, if this is something you've been thinking about and wondering about, now is the perfect time to come in and try our program out. It's the beginning of the year. You'll get access to this strategic planning session and all of the other tools that we have in the program. So if this is something you've been thinking about, I would encourage you to head to lawyerist.com slash lab right now, click on apply, have a conversation with our team member. It'll be about 10 minutes. It's really low stress and see if this program is a good fit for you. Yeah. And whether you're a new podcast listener or a longtime listener, if these episodes resonate with you and our vision for how small law firms can be healthier, small businesses, and that seems like the kind of practice you want to have. The call is free. It's not going to be pitchy. Um, we want to learn more about you and see if you would be a good fit for our community. If the guests on our show feel like people you want to hang out with, come join us. And now we have my conversation with Dan. Hey everyone, this is Dan Gingis, the experience maker. I am a customer experience speaker, coach, author, and podcaster. And I believe that a remarkable customer experience is your best sales and marketing strategy. Because when we get our own clients and customers to talk about us, it is so much more genuine and authentic than us talking about ourselves. Yes. Hey, Dan, I couldn't agree more. I'm excited to dive into this conversation with you. Your new book is called The Experience Maker in it was awesome. I was just telling you, sharing you as I was reading it, I was getting pumped and getting ideas for how we can make a better client experience. So super glad you're here. And maybe it's obvious, but maybe I should just ask just to kick us off. 
why write the book? Because it feels like in a way we've been talking about client experience for years, but maybe we're still, we still need to get hit over the head a few more times. So. Well, what really was the impetus for the book was some research that I found that said that 30% of customers are willing to go onto social media or a review site after a bad customer experience, but that almost 50% of customers say the same thing about a good experience. So in other words, we want to share good experiences more than we want to share bad experiences. So what's the problem? The problem is, is that two thirds of consumers say they cannot remember the last time any brand exceeded their expectations. So here we are as people, we want to tell people, we want to share positive stories. We want to bring more positivity into the world, especially in, over the last few years, we, we're all kind of craving positivity but we're just not getting the kinds of experiences that we expect from companies, or at least the kinds of experiences that are worth talking about. So I really wanted to focus on not just the importance of customer experience, but in specifically creating experiences that are remarkable or literally worthy of remark, worthy of discussion. In today's world, that means sharing it on social media, or it means telling friends, family, and coworkers about the great experience that we had. And again, Nothing better than referrals to grow your business. I agree with that. I feel like the bar is set very low. I mean, you talk about this in the book, like customers are coming in, our clients are coming in and not expecting that much. So when we really can wow them, it actually isn't as hard to do or as expensive to do as what I think we often think. Oh, that's going to, you talk about this, but that's going to cost me a lot of money. And I love that in your book, you're like, no, it actually free is good. Yeah, I, I spent 20 plus years in corporate America. And so I know how hard it is to find budget, to get, at least in the corporate world, to get legal approval, to get a brand approval, to get your manager's approval. There's so much red tape to go through. And so all the examples that I share are very intentionally simple, practical, and inexpensive. And what I like to say is, you know, if you want to take your clients out to a private fireworks show and Beyonce concert, be my guest. But most people don't have the budget to do that. And so we've got to focus on ways that we can wow our customer without spending tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. In the book, you talk about what clients really want are personal relationships, trust, transparency, and communication. I think we all know that. But one thought I had that I'd love to hear you touch on, I think for lawyers especially, we think about those words and we think that means us specifically, that clients want to have a personal relationship with just us. And so then we feel like, but I'm only one person. I can only do so much. Talk to us about how we can really think about this as a team approach or brand approach, which is what I think you do so well in the book. Well, it's definitely about knowing the customer. The customer wants to feel like you know them as a human being, that you're not uh, just an account number or another client, or, you know, even in the B2B world, sometimes we refer to customers as logos. I mean, how, like, how distant can you get with a description, right? So a customer wants to feel like they're known as a person. And the reality is your customers, no matter what kind of firm you have, you've got a diverse set of customers. They, they're diverse in every way you can think of the word diversity meaning, and that means your solution can't be one size fits all. One of the things we've learned in the last two years is we've been doing a lot more Zoom meetings and other online meetings. And, and you mentioned this right before we went live is we know a lot more about people 
and their lives than we ever did. I know that you have dogs because you mentioned it to me and you said they might start barking during a conversation. I have one on the floor that's snoring right now. Hopefully you don't hear her. We've seen each other's kids and significant others and pets and we've seen our their backgrounds. We know what books people are reading. We know, you know, we know all sorts of stuff about people that we didn't know before. And the question is, what are we doing with that? How are we leveraging that? Not in a creepy way, but in a in a genuine personal way that says, I know you and I want to recognize, I want you to recognize that I know you. So for example, if you have a client that you know has a dog, if you're sending out a holiday gift to your clients, throw in a milk bone. That will astound people, right? They'll be, oh my God, how did they know I have a dog, right? And of course, pets are a great way to people's hearts. So you're going to immediately, you know, hit them where you want to hit them. And they're, and they're going to understand, they're going to appreciate that you know who they are. You're not going to send a milk bone to everybody. You're only going to send them to the ones that, you know, have dogs. Another example I like to give is that Think of the number of places that know your birthday. Think about the number of times you've either had to show your ID at a bar, at a hotel, at the airport, or that you've had to put your birthday on a form when you apply for a bank account or insurance or pretty much anything. Right. And now think about how many companies that have your birthday have ever wished you a happy birthday. So they collect this data and it sits somewhere, but they don't bother using it to enhance the experience. And man, if my lawyer called me and wished me a happy birthday, I'd be pretty impressed. Yeah, you know? especially since your birthday is Christmas Day, right? <laughs> it is Christmas Day. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I don't expect anyone to call me on Christmas Day, but the point still stands. Yeah, but that would wow you. And and I know that because you shared it in the book and, you know, and that was a memorable thing about you that I now know forever. And so it's just an easy way to connect with people. And I think that's what that's what we're really talking about, right? Is just how do we find those connection points with people and make it feel personal? And in the book, you gave this framework of wiser, and it starts with the W being witty. And and we can hit through all these. But what I loved about witty is that was free, right? Like this doesn't cost anything. This is just about talking like a real person and using normal language and maybe using like fun language that people aren't expecting to get their attention. But maybe you can kind of walk us through that framework and and let's talk about witty because it's fun and easy. Yeah, witty is fun. And witty does not mean being a stand-up comedian. Humor can be dangerous. Somebody finds something funny, somebody else finds it offensive. So it's not about telling jokes or trying to be funny. It's really about using language to our advantage being clever, not funny, and refusing to be boring. And I want to say this specifically to your audience, because I say this a lot, but it doesn't always get to land with lawyers. There is no law that says you have to be boring. Look it up. There's no law. And yet, I think it's fair to say without being offensive, that lawyers are among many industries that people would tend to think are closer to the boring side than the fun side. And that doesn't have to be the case. And I think it's important to note, especially for smaller firms out there and one and two person shops, is that the switching costs in any industry right now are low. It's not hard to find another lawyer if I don't like the lawyer I have. There's a million of them out there. And so that means that the necessity of keeping your clients is just as important as the necessity to acquire new ones. 
And in fact, when we keep our clients, not only do they tend to stay with us longer and spend more, but they're more likely to refer us to other people, which helps with that growth piece. So Witty is really about focus on every time that you communicate with a client, you have a chance to be witty. And it just means, again, being a little bit more fun and clever with your language. I understand that in certain circumstances, especially with contractual language and other types of stuff, disclaimers, and et cetera, that we have to use certain words. But there's no rule that says you can't define those words for people. There's no rules that say that you can't even potentially make some light of these difficult words, right? Lawyers speak in a language that most people don't understand. Bankers do the same thing. Healthcare professionals do the same thing. They speak in a language that their clients and customers don't get. They don't speak that language. It's like, you might as well speak Russian to me and I'm not going to understand you. When you speak legalese to me, it's the same thing. So what can we do to ease that a little bit and to make people more comfortable, especially when there's a lot of complexities to a legal case. And you know, as the client, I want to understand it. So help me understand it in a, in a fun way. I gave a great example in the book that actually gets to legal disclaimers. There's a company out of Malaysia called iFlix, and it's a Netflix competitor, very similar, but, but in the Asia region. And they, like many companies, have an email disclaimer at the end of all of their corporate emails that says, if you're the unintended recipient of this email, you must delete it immediately, et cetera. And their email disclaimer starts with all capital letters, three words, covering our butts. Right. Now, when somebody sees that, do you know what they do? They read on, which is ironically exactly what the lawyers want, right? When we write a disclaimer, we want customers to read it. So when we started with covering our butts, guess what? We get people to read it. And I reprint the whole disclaimer there. And, and what I love about it is, to me, it's like a lawyer and a comedian walked into a bar and they came out with this legal disclaimer. And it says all of the things that the lawyers want to say. But it also is fun to read, entertaining, explanatory. So there's one part where it uses the word disseminate. And the comedian said, I don't know, people don't know what disseminate means. And so they defined it in there. And it says, you know, it means spread. Well, okay, we understand what spread means. And those are the kinds of things that get people more connected to what it is you're trying to say. So much of the relationship with a lawyer is about communication. So we might as well make that communication understandable. I love that. We talk a lot about being authentic in our communities. I think as a lot of lawyers that I work with, they're almost scared to be their authentic selves because they're worried they're going to put people off or that they have this reputation to uphold as some stuffy lawyer. And I'm like, there's enough clients to go around, you know, have that growth mindset that you can be your true authentic self, speak like a human being in a fun, witty way, and your people will find you. You will be okay. Those boring folks can go somewhere else. Well, and also remember that you as a lawyer are also a human being and you have other hobbies and experiences and parts of your life that make you a human. And so this this whole human to human thing, it requires two humans, right? It's it, it go it goes both ways. So I'll give you an example here. I've always advised people. I've read thousands of resumes in my corporate career and I've done a lot of advising and, and helping people write their resumes. And one of the things I always suggest is that somewhere in your resume you share something about yourself that has nothing to do with work. Now, when I first got out of college a number of years ago, 
those two things for me that I put on my resume were that I were a I was a licensed bartender and that I was a big fan of The Simpsons. I will tell you every single interview I went into, every one, the first question was either, do you make this drink or did you see this episode? Yeah. It immediately got me off to a relationship with the person at the other, uh, other side of the table that had nothing to do with them interviewing me for the job, but really had more to do with them getting to know me. So somebody called me out on this a couple of months ago. They said, you know, Dan, you have your website and you have this about section on your website, like most uh, websites do. And it doesn't really say much about you other than what you've done professionally. Mm -hmm. And so I said, all right, challenge accepted. And I went in and rewrote that whole about section. And now it has about two dozen bullets that are all just things about Dan that have nothing to do with me being a customer experience speaker or author. They're, that I'm a pinball player and I'm a lifetime Cubs fan and that I once delivered a pizza to Michael Jordan and all these really interesting things. And what I find is that on a lot of first conversations with people, when they visited that page, the first thing they bring up is whatever bullet they most connected to. And now we have a connection before anything, before any business takes place. Yeah. I love that. I have a lawyer that I've worked with. She put a picture of her and her dogs on her about page and more dog. That's the thing that everyone talks to her about. It's so simple. We've talked about, you know, as you already said, everyone loves pets. It's easy. Show up as a person and your clients will appreciate that and recognize them as people, which I think is what you're also saying. For sure. And, and remember, remember one last thing is that the relationship between lawyer client is a really interesting relationship. There's a power there, right? The lawyer's got the power in that relationship. And yet, if we think about it, the client also has the power because the client's the one that's paying the money and that can decide to go somewhere else. So if we can try to put those two entities on similar footing by being human, that's how we do that because we're all human. And so we can connect on something. Maybe we both have kids that play soccer. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. It's just something that we can connect on so that there's more of an even playing field. It's exactly that same dynamic of interviewer and interviewee. There's a power element there. And if you can neutralize that a little bit as the interviewee by sharing something that gets the conversation going on a more neutral playing field, good things happen. Yeah. Love it. All right. The I in wiser is immersive. What does that mean? Immersive means creating a consistent experience throughout the customer journey. So often we've got different parts of the experience that are not connected. So for example, we might have a salesperson that is in charge of bringing on new clients. Now, why do people buy from salespeople? Because they like the person. We all, we all buy from people that we like. That's very natural. So the second we sign on the dotted line, when the salesperson says, okay, peace out, I'm handing you over to somebody else, that's not a good experience for your brand new customer that has said, well, I'm here because I like Steve. And then the second I got here, Steve left me. And that doesn't feel good. Now, I might like Jenny, but I haven't met, I don't know Jenny. I have, I've never even met her. So I, I don't know if I'm going to like working with her. And so those are, that's an example of where an experience is not immersive. Immersive also has to do with the fact that today, almost every business is omni-channel. And don't be 
afraid of omni-channel. Don't think that omni-channel means you have to be in every channel known to man. It just means you have to be where your customers are. So when I worked at Humana and we were focused on Medicare patients, it didn't matter that we worked on Snapchat, right? Because that's not where grandma and grandpa are, but they sure are on Facebook. And so we needed to be present on Facebook. You too need to be present wherever your customers are. And that experience needs to be consistent. If you're going to be witty in one place, you should be witty in lots of places. It'd be like if, if you showed up to the website and there was a green logo, and then you went to the Facebook page and the logo was orange and a completely different image. You'd be like, well, hold on. Am I even in the same place? But what happens is we create experiences all the time for customers that are that confusing, that don't feel like the same organization. So that's what being immersive is about. Yeah, I think a lot of lawyers, small law firms especially, struggle with this. And the way it comes up that I hear it is you have the named partner of the firm, and which is the salesperson in our case. So when so for every all of our listeners, when when Dan was just talking about that, that was you. You you're the person that they are buying the legal services from. And then you're trying to hand them off to your team because you alone can't do all of this. And that's where a lot of this disconnect happens. I have a lot of people come to me that work with us and say, you know, how do I get my clients comfortable with other people on my team so it's not just all on me? And I think what you're suggesting is we can design intentional experiences for our clients where that doesn't feel so stark and the experience continues on for the person, even when we make that handoff, because we're going to make it more successfully. Yeah. And the advice that I would give here is that the lawyers whose name is on the door should be at the handoff. So it's not just an email handoff. It's not just a, hey, welcome to the firm. Now you're working with Jenny. It's I'm going to be at the first meeting and I'm going to be part of that transition. That's the first piece. And then secondly, it's just letting the client know that even though they're working with Jenny, that you're still going to be there. And if they ever need anything, they can still contact you. It's not, you know, it's not like you have to lose my phone number or my email address. You can still come back to me. And that's true with any salesperson. You want to believe that even if I buy from somebody and they hand me over to I don't know, a customer success team or an account management team or whatever we call it, you want the customer to know that they can always call their friend, the salesperson, the person that brought them in the door if something goes south. That's really all we want. Because if you think about from a consumer perspective, whenever we make a big purchase, a house, a car, whatever it's going to be, there is always a fear of buyer's remorse. Sometimes there's actual buyer's remorse, but if there isn't, there's still the fear I hope I'm making the right decision. I'm putting my life or this case in this lawyer's hands. Boy, I hope I made the right decision. And so what we need to do as soon as a customer makes that decision is to put our arms around them virtually or in real life and say to them, you just made a great decision. We got your back. Don't worry. We've got this. And then you think about from the customer perspective, now there's relief. There's not fear. There's not buyer's remorse, there's relief. I just made a really good decision by going with these people. Then when you make that transition, it's so much easier. Yeah, that resonates. All right, we need to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. When we come back, we'll pick up the other letters of Wise. Support for today's episode comes from Text Expander. Minimize effort, maximize productivity with Text Expander. Text Expander helps you work faster and smarter so you can focus your time on your most important work. Drive faster results in three steps. One, create. 
Make snippets of text for support responses, sales outreach, or even common emails to save them in Text Expander. Two, trigger. Just type a few characters and watch the snippet automatically expand your text. You can add fill in the blank or more complex functionality to customize your message. Three, share. Share snippets across your organization. Your team can customize and insert the text in any app on Mac, Windows, Chrome, or iOS with a few keystrokes. Are you a startup looking to scale? Text Expander is here to help you on your journey. Check out Text Expander for Startups, a program that's specifically designed to help startup teams communicate more consistently, accurately, and efficiently. Show listeners get 20% off their first year. Visit TextExpander.com forward slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander. Support for today's episode comes from Rankings.io, helping hyper-competitive personal injury attorneys dominate first-page rankings through search engine optimization to become better recognized as the leading law firm in your metro. Rankings is solely focused on SEO for personal injury law firms. You'll work with an entire team of SEO specialists dedicated to helping clients dominate search results with unparalleled industry expertise. Rankings focuses on proof, not promises, by delivering results and never leaving their clients in the dark. You'll receive monthly reports that give a full snapshot of where you stand as you watch your firm climb to the first page of Google and generate high-value leads. Most importantly, you'll be one of an elite few. Rankings' unrelenting conviction to be the best drives them to do everything to ensure the personal injury law firms working with them are dominating the search results. To see if you're a fit, visit rankings.io forward slash lawyerist to get started. Today's podcast is brought to you by Latera. Delivering high quality work on time and on budget is what matters most to your clients. Latera helps law firms maximize client retention rates, increase profit margins, and enhance lawyer happiness. In short, They simplify complex workflows by connecting legal teams to the data they need every day. The result? End-user happiness. Most of the world's largest law firms, boutique firms, and corporate legal departments trust Latera to help their legal teams manage all of their documents, deals, cases, and data. Are you ready to join them? Latera is excited to hear about the challenges facing your organization, show you their software in action, or simply discuss whatever else might be top of mind. Get a demo with their document experts today by visiting latera.com forward slash lawyerist. All right, Dan, we're back. We've just learned about being witty and immersive. Talk to us about then the next two, shareable and extraordinary. So shareable is kind of the end goal, except it doesn't happen automatically. There has to be some strategy behind why people share and what it is they're going to share. The best way to think about this is when in your life, Have you, without anybody asking, reached for your phone and taken a picture of whatever was happening or a video of whatever was happening and then shared it with somebody? What caused you to do that? And the reality is, is that usually it's not because somebody said, please follow us on Instagram and tag us and use our hashtag and do this and do that. A friend of mine likes to say, if you have to tell someone it's a selfie spot, it probably isn't a selfie spot because the whole idea of a selfie is it's spontaneous. Right. So being shareable is about trying to find that moment or moments in your organization, in your customer journey, where it's going to be an obvious moment to talk about it. In the credit card world, what I learned was, what we learned through research was the moment that customers are the happiest with their credit card company is when they redeem their rewards because it feels like they just got free money. 
right? So, wow, I just redeemed $200. That's money in my pocket that I didn't have yesterday. Well, thank you, Discover Card. They love the company at that moment. So that's the best time to ask, say, for a review because they're really happy. They're going to give you those five stars right then. And so knowing when that moment is, is sort of the first important step. And then creating something that is worth sharing. And in today's world, that generally is something visual. And that is going to be tough for lawyers, I'll be honest. But it, you got to think visually because that is what people share. We take out our cameras, we take a picture, we grab a screenshot on a computer, whatever it is, um, or on our phones. So thinking visually about when is a moment where somebody's going to say, I can't believe my lawyer just did this for me. I love this person. And then are going to want to tell other people about it. Yeah. I know for lawyers, you know, the obvious answers are if we get a victory, we, you know, we, we get that client win, which sometimes clients don't want to share because it was personal and maybe painful. And so those feel like the obvious choices. But it seems to me that we can challenge ourselves and be a little creative. And maybe there's points earlier in the process where you really are controlling the experience. It doesn't have to be about the result, but maybe you surprise your clients you know, a week after they engage with you or something at some moment earlier in the process, maybe you, you in the book a lot, remind us of the power of snail mail, right? Maybe there's, it doesn't even have to be money. You could just send that handwritten card, you know, thanks for putting our trust in you uh, or your trust in us, right? Something you could say, I'm just trying to think of a moment. And then that creates that visual for someone that they're like, wow, my lawyer thought of me out of the blue and sent me a letter, a card that doesn't happen. Yeah. And the handwritten part goes so long, uh, goes such a far way. You are also, uh, you probably also remember the example in the book of Punk Post, which allows you to do this. It's a great, great website and app where you can go on and basically write the card that you want to write. And Punk Post hires an artist to hand draw it. And they'll put little you know, images on it. And these things are beautiful. Even the outer envelope is so good looking that, I mean, you have a hundred percent open rate, which you're not going to have in an email. And not only that, not only do people open it, but they, according to the CEO of Punk Post, they're much more likely to save it, to put it up on their refrigerator, put it up on their bulletin board at work. And that's a form of sharing too. It doesn't necessarily have to be shared on social media. It could just be, again, wow, my lawyer sent me a thank you card. I haven't even sent him my first check yet. And he's you know, he's already sending me a thank you card for being a client. I love this person already. And I'm, I am in, right? And that's exactly, it's a great moment to sort of lock in that relationship. And you don't have to spend a lot of money. The cost of a punk postcard is about the same as the cost of a Hallmark card and a stamp. So it's not, this is not big bucks here, um, but it's very memorable. And if you, if you just want to buy your own stationery and send somebody a handwritten card, it's not as shareable, but it'll definitely still be memorable and people will really appreciate it. Cause let's face it. How many, how many handwritten letters do we get in our mailbox every day, every week, every month? Not many. No. Not at all. I just keep getting refinance requests. It's so annoying. <laughs> and credit card solicitations. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> and then you talk about in the book, you talk about really going above and beyond making it extraordinary, making it memorable, which doesn't necessarily have to be expensive, but you kind of do want to stand out and have this experience and you share a whole bunch of examples, a lot of which felt familiar to me that I was like, oh, yeah. 
And it reminded me of times where I've gone, I mean, people know this longtime listeners, I've talked about it before. Like I had this one shopping experience at the container store three years ago when I was sending my daughter to summer camp that I still talk about to this day. Like I will show people the pictures, all the things I bought. It was amazing. Or like an anniversary dinner where I remember we went at the end of the dinner, we were leaving and the maitre d' came up and said, by the way, here's some fresh baked scones for your breakfast tomorrow and had this little prepackaged thing for us. And so then what are we doing the next morning? We're reliving our great dinner that we had just had. And we're like, wow, like that didn't cost hardly anything, but it just kind of kept that experience alive and going. And I love those moments. So would love for you just to share some ideas there to get, because I was reading this book and I love all the examples you put in there. I already shared with you that I've challenged my team. I was like, all right, guys, what are we going to do? Because you just get excited when you start reading them all. Yeah, well, thank you. And I'm glad that you're inspired by the examples. And this is supposed to be easy. As you said before, the bar is low and extraordinary just means a little bit better than ordinary. One thing that I didn't mention before is that we know that Customers share positive experiences. We know they share negative experiences. What they don't share, average experience. Nobody shares an ordinary experience. And so if we want to get people talking about us, we got to be a little bit better than average. The good news is everyone else is average. So we don't have to, you don't have to high jump over that bar. You can just kind of step over it and be a little bit better than the next person. And you're going to stand out. I think there are lots and lots of ways to do that. One of my favorites, which is also a restaurant example, is when I took my son to his birthday dinner. Uh, We went to Fleming Steakhouse Mm -hmm. and the maitre d' handed him a hand-signed birthday card when we walked in, which I was pretty impressed with. Mm -hmm. And it it takes a lot to impress a customer experience guy. But what was interesting was during the meal, even my kids were talking about They were anticipating what was going to happen after the meal. They're like, well, if they gave us a birthday card, they're going to do something special. So (laughs) they created this anticipation. They didn't even have to say anything. And then sure enough, they didn't disappoint. At the end of the meal, they brought out a box of handmade chocolates. They sat on a plate with happy birthday spelled out in cocoa powder. And instead of a candle, they brought out a sparkler. And everybody knows that a sparkler is so much cooler than a candle. And what's amazing is four people sitting at the table, two adults, two kids, no one told us to. We all pulled out our phones and we all took a picture of this dessert and we all shared it to our favorite social media channel. So the restaurant gets four positive shares about one experience. Now, I think there's a metaphor here that law firms can use and lawyers can use, which is this idea of a candle versus a sparkler. The fact is, is that giving someone a slice of cake and a candle is a perfectly nice gesture. It's just that almost every restaurant does that. And so it's not memorable, unfortunately. Giving somebody a box of chocolates and a sparkler, or even just replacing the candle with the sparkler, doesn't cost anymore, but it transforms the experience into something that's different. And so the way that you think about this from a a lawyer's perspective is, What are all the steps of our customer journey that we do exactly the same as everybody else? And how can we do it just a little bit differently? How can we take that candle and turn it into a sparkler? And that's when you start to hit on extraordinary. Now, one single extraordinary experience may be enough to get people talking. It may not. And a lot of the examples in my book are really small, extraordinary examples. But I'm a big believer that client experience is not 
a massive multi-year transformational project. It's a series of little things. It's an endless series of little things. There's no destination in client experience. You're never there. You haven't ever gotten there. You're always on the journey. And so every time we have a moment where we can be just a little bit better than ordinary, we have that chance to stand out and to gain that loyalty from the client. Yeah, I love that. And it's a great reminder, just stepping back and being intentional and thinking about your clients, remembering that they're scared and nervous potentially to call you or hire you. And so how can we just put ourselves in their shoes throughout the whole process and you'll find, I know you guys are going to find tons of ways to make your experience better. Pick up a copy of the book. It's the Experience Maker. We'll of course have a link to it in the show notes. It is filled with tons of examples that, like I said, just got my brain going. And I got on the phone with my team and I started challenging them to think about every part of our experience. We're hiring right now. And I was like, how can we make our hiring experience better for our candidates? Because we want them to also, when they get the job, to be thinking this way for our clients. So we need to model it from them right from the beginning. And so I sent video emails to everybody that was in our process right now and just thanked them for applying and said I was looking forward to interviewing with them. And the responses I got from the candidates were just amazing. And it was simple, right? That took 10 minutes of my day to shoot a couple of quick videos and send them off. So that wasn't anywhere in your book, Dan. I just was reading and it just came to me that I was like, I need to do better. What can I do to make this hiring experience better? (laughs) So thank you for that. That's awesome. I'm glad you did it. And you know what? You also understand that those people that are applying to work for you are probably applying to other places as well. So they're evaluating you as much as you're evaluating them. And it's such a great opportunity to, to start off on the right foot with them. I know. So much work we could do. So we'll get started. Thank you so much for being with us today. Super excited to connect. And Everyone, I encourage you to get the book and start making experiences better for your firm. Well, thank you, Stephanie. It's an honor to be here. The Lawyerist Podcast is produced by Bailey Tiller and edited by Ryan Croft. Are you ready to implement the ideas we discussed here into your practice? Wondering what to do next? Here are your first two steps. First, if you haven't read the Small Firm Roadmap yet, grab the first chapter for free at lawyerist.com book. Looking for help beyond the book? Let's chat about whether our coaching communities are right for you. Head to lawyerist.com slash community slash lab to schedule a 15-minute call with our community manager. The views expressed by the participants are their own and not endorsed by the Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you.